This is Plus Money Golf on the Patriot Sports Network. A golf betting podcast that's better than most. What he said. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. And now, here are your hosts, Adam, Smitty, and Eric. Good evening. Welcome to Plus Money Golf on the Fantasy Sports Corp Network. The show with the pro and the caddy. That'd be Adam and Smitty. My name is Eric. I'm just the host. We are brought to you this evening by our friends at Jazz Sportsbook Casino and Online Racebook, as well as our buddies over at Underdog Fantasy. Use code plus money, all one word, to get a 100% deposit match. That's a pretty good deal. Chris is over here making sure we're on the internet, making sure the show works, doing all the real stuff. Adam and Smitty are here as well. Not only that, we have company. Our guest tonight just played in his sixth PGA championship. He's a two-time national champion, a two-time PGA Cup winner. He's the first to ever win the PGA National Championship and the PGA Professional Championship in the same year. I said the word champion a lot. I, if I listed all these, we wouldn't even uh, get to our picks. Alex Beach, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing Thank great, guys. How are you? Good. Excellent. Good. My pleasure. For you guys, come on. It says here, <laughs> lefty who, quote, hits it better right-handed these days. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, some it's I'm a mixed bag when it comes to dexterity, but you know, I play lefty just to kind of keep the challenge there. All, all these righties, I don't quite understand it, you know. <laughs> That's what I tell people when they say, Have you ever they're like, Oh, why don't you play left handed? And I was like, Ah, you're just playing left handed today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Some of the shots you see these guys hit flipping the club backwards, hitting it left, right handed. You practice ambidextrously, like you hit left and then you hit right in the same sessions or day to day. How do you do that? I mean, I'll be honest, like when I first started, I grew up in Minnesota, uh, you know, playing a lot of baseball and ice hockey left handed. Um, I don't believe anybody else Uh, in my family is left handed, but uh, it just kind of came naturally. And when I first got my introduction to golf, we used to visit my grandfather down in uh, Arizona on spring break. And there was a driving range there. So I would go and hit cross-handed righty. Um, and finally, somebody noticed it. And they're like, hey, that doesn't look quite right. So they finally put a left-handed club in my hand. And I just kind of went from there. But, like, I'm right-hand dominant. So I throw right-handed. Um, you know, if I play tennis or a racket sport, I instinctively grab it with my right hand. But kind of have two forehands. I don't really do backhands. Um, I can't explain it. It's weird, but I think that's kind of how most of us lefties are. We're just kind of there was like a shortage in the wiring when we were being built, and yeah. here we are. So yeah, we we don't but have any I, shortage know, of I'm lefties. I'm able to embrace it. Yeah, I we're think all left handed. No, well, you know, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of us learn how to hit right handed just because there's no left handed clubs or no left handed gloves in the right. box. Yep, in gym classes, exactly. Like, figure it out or don't play. Exactly. And that's, I think, you know, even, you know, predating myself at my age, like there just was not access to left-handed clubs. And so most mm-hmm. people older than us were right-handed because they were forced to be, whether it's kind of natural mm-hmm. or, or not. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there were points in my career, I'll be honest, where I just got bored and kind of interested in playing right-handed. And I've done a few actual rounds. I've broken 80 right-handed, which there's no way to say, say that without sounding like a complete dick. And I get it. And I get it. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> but if you do it, you got to say it. Is yeah, I, like you know, own it, right? Um, I can't even make contact, Trey. And like, if I'm giving a lesson, <laughs> I just like, yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm just going to show which I think, like you would know, Alex is a teaching professional. Like me, when you're teaching a right-handed golfer, it's easier because you're face on and they can see what you're doing. Whereas a right-handed player, exactly. a right-handed instructor is teaching, and it's opposite. So I think that is an advantage to being left-handed at that point. So. Yeah, you can kind of mirror students. You're looking right yeah. at them. Uh, you know, like, you know, I teach clinics even today. It's not a big clinic. And the verbiage is always the toughest part. Like, you know, yeah. the difference between the hands. But you just you generalize it. But, yeah, no, I've hit some pretty good shots right-handed. I mean, I've <laughs> I played a practice round at the PGA with a good friend of mine, Mark Hubbard, who is just a gentleman of the game. He's just a beautiful human being, and we, we have a lot of fun. And we were at a wedding together at Kiowa a few months back, and I will say White Claws may have been involved, but <laughs> I played a hole right-handed with his clubs, and I think out drove him and beat him on it. I hit, like, driver, wedge, putter, you know, <laughs> easy birdie. And I saw him last week, and he reminded me, he's like, I still think that's one of the best shots I've ever seen, like, you know. But awesome. it's just it's fun to me. Like, for some reason, sports have always kind of come natural. And, you know, every now and again, it's fun to grab a right-handed club from a student or someone I'm playing against. Yeah. Or if I'm oh, really yeah. being a dick, I'll, war- I'll warm up right-handed <laughs> before a tournament. Like, if it's just like a cash game between <laughs> friends. And like, oh, I, you know, they've kind of heard my reputation. Like, this guy doesn't look that good. And then, you know, <laughs> we can switch it up on him pretty quickly. But that's, that's just awesome. something I do for fun. So and you're the teacher. You're the teaching pro at Westchester. Is there just one teaching pro per club? Is that how it works? Well, it depends. I think every club is a little unique. We at Westchester, it's a very large club. We have roughly 1,300 families that uh, comprise our membership. So we probably have, I'll just shoot a number out, probably 12 people that could give you a golf lesson. Um, you know, a few of those are kind of full-time instructors where that's their primary role. Others are, you know, assistant professionals or head professionals who outside of their other duties will instruct as well. Um, so, but there are clubs, I think it's more common that a club would have like one primary instructor, you know, a head golf professional, every staff is a little different, but due to this, the sheer size of our place, we have quite a few. And, and that's kind of by design. The reason I'm there is I have a role in which I can just teach and play on the side. And and to find flexibility as a club professional is a little tricky. Um, so I'm very lucky to be at a club that not only supports me to play, but when I'm at these tournaments, you know, away from the club, there's not necessarily work falling onto somebody else's plate. Um, because if you have a job like that and, you know, I'm on the road sometimes weeks at a time, there's usually a lot of things falling through the cracks onto someone else. And that's not really fair. So, um, you know, in all the right ways, we've got a a great staff. It's a really competitively playing staff. I mean, I would put some of us up against, you know, I know you guys like to gamble If, (laughs) if we could do like a national, you know, staff versus staff tournament, I would really like our chances. We've got three or four guys that can absolutely fall out. So, you know, it's good competition for me internally every day. Um, But yeah, that's kind of my, my day job in the summer is up at Westchester and then down at the breakers in the wintertime in Palm beach, but, you know, competing as much as I can outside of that um, with presently not having a, a tour card. 
That would be cool, like a team event among the That clubs. would be cool because there's a lot of clubs that would yeah. sign up for that event if PJ could ever get something like that going. Do you do you ever yeah, encounter someone? Just... Oh, sorry. You go. No, go ahead. I was going to ever... say, yeah, it'd be fun to put that together. I don't know how yeah. we would, but... <laughs> You know, I think uh, certainly after what we saw this last week that I'm sure we'll get into at some point in this conversation. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that that can really play um, regardless of what they want to air quotes their their job title as. I've said for the last, I mean, the whole year, a little over a year we've had this show. And even before that, I've said it's not going to be long before an amateur wins a major or a club pro wins a major because the guys, the club pros are just way better and the amateurs are getting way better. I mean, we see at the masters this year. So I think it, the days where the PGA club pros get kind of slighted at the, the PGA championship, this kind of fixed that problem, I think temporarily. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know we'll jump into it, but what Mike did and Mike's a very close friend of mine. I was with him. Uh, you know, what he did was, amazing um i i wouldn't use the word unbelievable because it's very believable um right. he's he's that good you know i i can go toe to toe with him most days and you know again his success has, has nothing to do with me in this but there are a lot of guys and and i think the business of the golf has changed too in terms of yes there are a lot of club professionals that work a lot of hours in the shop and you know every club has different expectations as to what their professionals are and what they do um but that said I, you look at some of the guys that made it into the team of 20 this year i mean you have a guy that was corn fairy player of the year a few years right. back you've got guys that have spent a lot of their, you know, time playing. And, and I think there's a natural fall off in golf where you try to play professionally for a long time. And when you decide that, that, you know, is kind of at its end and you look for a job, well, here's the PGA. And I think they've done such a good job of promoting it that these guys are like, Oh, like I've been competing my whole life and here's a career where I could actually make a decent living yeah. And maybe not quite travel as much, but have some opportunities to, you know, still play and get those juices flowing. And it's, you know, it's really good. If you can find a role that supports that, it's amazing. But yeah, to your point there, yeah, the, you know, the average club pro, I think it's unfair to, to <laughs> yeah, the average, I mean, you know, the top 50 or like, 60. Yeah. Cause you're, you're talking like, you know, in any industry, you know, every lawyer is not the same. I mean, right. Every artist isn't the same. You know, there's people that stand out based on their playing ability and they're the ones that get the notoriety, but they're, you know, there's ones that are incredible merchandisers or yeah. tournament operations and they're, they just, they're respected in their own way, but obviously with the playing, there's a little bit more publicity. And so yeah. there's some showcasing there, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's some guys that can really, and girls, I mean, it's, it's yeah. not fair to say guys, but there are some, some people that can really play the game. Well, they just chose to do this, uh, for some reason as a living. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like, I think it goes to prove like our point that we talk about all the time, right. About how, Oh man, like there's so many good players on the PGA tour, but like mm -hmm. there's so many, so many good players beyond that, that just don't get the notoriety and get talked about it enough. Um, and that's, I think a big reason why we, we love like having a guy like you come on the show to talk about that because to shed some light on the fact that there are some really, really good guys out there that can play the game of golf that, 
don't have their PGA Tour card, like you just said. Yeah, and uh, you know that it's a deep field when yeah. you start thinking about it like that. And, and yeah, you know the majority of the world, they're only introduced to the golfers that the networks and the tour choose to showcase. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think another great example recently is Eric Cole. Yeah. I've known Eric for a long time. We've competed in Q school together. We've played minor league events together down in Florida. I saw him last week in the PGA. I think he was like fifth alternate and parlayed that to like a T15 finish. So Eric's a perfect example of like, I don't think the majority of the world knew who he was prior to him almost winning at PGA National. But if you think about like, and, and same what Blocky did last week, and you know what I've done a couple of times in my career, like one week can change so much where you know us that know eric like he's one of the best players i've ever seen for you know a smaller dude he's got unbelievable speed he's probably one of the best putters i've ever played with and he can hold his own you know he would win minor league events i would win minor league events he would play q school like the degree of separation is not far but Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he finally gets an opportunity and you know let's talk about the honda which was a Mm -hmm. at best a b-list field um on a d-list golf course most people would say and but it's eric's backyard he's played that golf course a thousand (laughs) times he goes out yeah and you know i still think he gets that shot on 18 up and down nine out of ten times but that's just the pressure of the situation finishes second you know solidifies his card and he parlayed that to where he's at now where he's going to play in another pga championship and you know like realistically keep his card very easily this year like the rest of the world had no idea who eric was and they're like who is this guy but then there's a group of us who traveled with him and and played with him and you know the list goes on and on of guys who have all the ability in the world and it comes down to the saying of just you have to play well when you're presented the opportunity and if you do a lot can change in a very short amount of time but Mm -hmm. you know even some of the guys on tour you look at how they got there. I mean, Spieth, I think, is a perfect example. Like, he won on a sponsor's exemption. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's, he's I think, been on record saying, like, he doesn't think he'd get through Q school. But, you know, you just. Wow. <laughs> right now? Like, uh, Smitty's boy. You well, got to yeah, take like, it easy on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's. A, hey, they're his it's work. reality. Yeah. yeah no, like, I, I get I, I'm it. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't think Spieth could get through Q school, but. You know, look at what if you lose your status and you have to go back to something like Q school. That's and brutal. You don't have like the benefit of a three year exemption. Like you have to play well for four days and, you know, you have a bad week or you're sick or you're injured or you play a golf course that doesn't suit your eye. It doesn't speak to how good you are. These it's guys just, you're playing are you, hungry. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And everyone's different. You know, some guys have a lot of financial backing, some guys have none. There's guys who, you know, have played that golf course a million times. And yeah, you know, the playing field's never totally fair, but no, it is what it is. I mean, that's in everything, though. I mean, it's and it's just. Yeah, it's a fine line. And I've, you know, I've played in some open events with guys that are on that I pick, you know, some weeks to get a top 20 and they don't even sniff. And I was like, man, I just played with that guy like two weeks ago and he shot 62 on a super hard course. But, you know, it's a course he grew up on. And it's just one of those things that, it's just a real, it's really hard. And I've talked to some of the guys in my section that I've, that I play with on Mondays that have played many tours and stuff. And they're, they're like, you know, like you say, it's just, it's a fine line, but it's super hard. 
and nobody wants to go to Q school anymore. Oh God, no. They're, I mean, you know, they're, they're making it, they being the tour, they're making it more difficult to get on it for the average person, you know, and they're trying to sell tickets um, yeah. and, and make people turn on the TV. So they want the young, hot college kids and, um, you know, listen, everyone has the opportunity to get on tour, but they make it, and rightfully so, for the players on it, they make it harder to leave it, and yeah. they don't want new guys. So, yep. you know, you're, you're, you you can solve everything with good play, but it's not the uh, the easiest road for sure. I mean, you, you know, like I had corn fairy status for two years and didn't get a single start. That's a Is sad the, reality. Yeah. Is this the best the feeder system to the PGA has ever been? It seems like there's just so many good golfers like per capita. I would think so. I mean, I think you just look at the profession of golf and, you know, people my age were part of the Tiger era where we watched him turn the tour into what it's become today in terms of the money and the lifestyle and all these things. And I think that's only going to increase because the tour is pumping more money in. It's viewing better on TV. Um, these guys are getting younger. And I think most of the players, when they get on tour, they've played on some kind of basically tour their whole career, whether it's through high level junior golf or, you know, playing golf at one of the top universities in the country. I mean, obviously a few guys kind of will surprise you in terms of where they come from, but there's these prodigy guys and, you know, they are given all these opportunities. They, they sign with a big agency. They're given sponsors exemptions. They're given coaching. They're giving funding. They're giving every opportunity to do it. So, you know, they make that decision early on to do it and they're fearless, which, you know, I think the hardest part of playing professional golf is off the course. It's the, the lifestyle, the traveling, do you, are you mentally strong enough to deal with the ups and the downs? Um, you know, getting the golf ball in the hole is not the hardest part. It's if you have those other things taken care of. But yeah, I think the competitiveness is going to keep getting stronger. I mean, these kids are getting bigger and faster in the golf ball. They like the equipment's ridiculous in a good way. Um, yeah, I, I think the the envelope just keeps getting pushed. Yeah, it's yeah for anybody that thinks they're that good, you go sign up for a Monday qualifier, and mm-hmm. then you can see how oh, good man. you're not. <laughs> yeah, you, get, yeah. you get, hum- get humbled real quick you could play with a guy yeah. that shoots 99 or 59 and mm-hmm. yeah, anything yeah. in between do you as an instructor do you ever encounter people who just suck they can't be taught they're just bad at golf and that's just how it is are you or asking for a lesson for or what <laughs> of course i mean <laughs> but you know like you know you're, you're you're given different abilities but um what I enjoy about, you know, instruction, obviously I love to compete and love to play and, and work on my own game, but instructing is interesting because as a self-taught player myself, which is kind of ironic since I now teach for <laughs> a portion of my living, um, but I've gone through everything. I, you know, I, I was always a firm believer. If I didn't know the answer, I was going to surround myself with people that did and just soak it up. Um, and and kind of take what they say and apply it to my own game. So, you know, yeah, every now and again, you have a tough lesson, but you have to remember, you know, it's no different than being taught Spanish or math. Like everyone's going to retain things differently. 
I think a teacher's goal is to find a way, you know, as quick as possible to figure out how the student is going to kind of accept the information you're giving them. Um, but you can always make them better. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the weird thing with me. Like I, everyone that I teach, I'm better than like, that's a weird thing to say, but they wouldn't be regards, asking like, you to teach them otherwise. Right. Like I'm the expert in the situation. Like you wouldn't ask me necessarily how to cook a meal of some kind. Like you would go find a chef and in golf, you know, so much of it is yes, mechanics and this and that. But I think a lot of people learn just of how, how you think about things and how situations work. And, you know, there's so much to a lesson that's more than just like fix my slice. Like that's easy. But, you know, like you dive deeper and yeah, like everyone has different abilities. And I think you have to kind of grab that early in the lesson and say, listen, let's be realistic here. Like, and I'll often ask people, like, kind of where are you at? What's your goal? And what are you willing to put into it? Because based on those three answers, we at least have a flight plan. Like if you say I'm a 15 handicap, I want to be a five and I'm willing to play every Saturday. Well, here's the reality of that situation. It isn't going to happen. <laughs> no. Right? So I'm not, I'm, no. I'm not going to lie to them and say, okay, like, yeah, you, we can do that. No problem. Like, here's what's going to be required to do that. And, you know, that, that you have to be honest with them. Like, you, you know, I'm, I'm nice about it always, but I think you have to be somewhat honest and, yeah. and realistic in, in what's capable. But, yeah, I'd be happy to give them the information to help them get there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, some lessons are, are easier than others. But, you know, I like the challenge and I think the great, the most gratifying thing, which would feel like winning in a golf tournament for me is having someone create a goal, you help them get there and they achieve it. You know, there's no better feeling than that right. um, from an instruction side. Yeah. When they finally hit that one good shot that you've been working on for 50 balls and it's like, that's what we're trying to do. And it's like, you see how happy they are. And then it's like, you know, you kind of run off that energy. So that's the fun yeah, part exactly. about teaching. They, they, they give you that look or that like, holy shit moment. Like, see, <laughs> yeah. like you can do it. And, and, and then it's like all the work that took to get there was worth it. You yeah. know, all the trials and tribulations and that's, you know, golf parallels life in a lot of ways, but as the instructor, like that's the fun part, but yeah, there's definitely <laughs> some lessons that are, uh, are more sought after than others. <laughs> so what do you think about, where golf is going the uh the split with pga and live is is the future golf bright oh uh, absolutely um you know the the pga tour live thing i've always kind of stayed out of that like you know let's be honest i don't blame anyone for going yeah um, that's a lot of money to play golf um that's a lot of money i'll I also think without getting into specifics that competition breeds change. Um, there's been a lot of change in the last 18 months on, I think certainly one tour that if their hand wasn't forced, they would have never considered doing some of the things mm. they're doing now. Um, but that's anything, you know, yeah. if, if there's no one, if there's nothing, no one pressing you to make a change, nothing's going to happen, you know? And, and so for those reasons, I think it's good. I think there's a lot of positive change that came out of it. I dislike very much the polarization that the media has 
required yeah. from this like depending on what side you're on like that's an insane comment to me yeah like and i see these guys balling guys, yeah. i thought it was nice this week yeah. that we saw more of those live guys on tv we saw more of the interviews like it was just felt like they folded them back in very nicely yeah it was just a normal golf tournament for yeah. once and we can and enjoy it they didn't try to yes. make it like this whole big media thing and i th- I think at Augusta, to me, it felt like the media really toned down some of that back and forth. And then this week was even better than that. So mm-hmm. I look for more positive I, things coming forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, obviously with, with Brooks winning, that's huge. You know, like I was watching, uh, you know, Zach Johnson's interview about the Ryder Cup and they just couldn't stay off of that subject. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he's being as PC as he can about it. But listen, like it's a golf tournament that's not run by the PGA Tour. Right. So the PGA of America or the RNA and the USGA, they can do whatever they want. And yeah. ultimately, they want the best product for not only themselves, but, you know, the entity that they're supporting. And so what if 48 guys went to play a different tour? Now, I don't think, you know, there should be some kind of a deal where, they're not going to be able to go back and play the PGA tour. Like that makes total sense. But if this is just another golf tournament and it's a major, so be it. And I agree with you. This felt like Brooks did something interesting. I don't know if many people noticed, but the, the live guys at the PGA, they were allowed to wear their team logo, but not, anything that said live golf like i played with a guy that's live and he had literally electrical tape on his shirt and his hat covering <laughs> where it would say live golf <laughs> but which, which is crazy it looked it looked yeah. ridiculous but kepka he had a blank bag yeah he didn't have his team logo on it anywhere it just said brooks kepka which i think that's the one he had at, is at, at augusta too yeah which you know and, and he's made the comments like you know when he was hurt and someone dangled a huge amount of money in his face and he wasn't sure of his future, whether that's the real answer or not, who knows, but if that's true, it has a lot of merit. And yeah, I think yeah. a lot of guys miss, miss playing on the PGA tour. And the biggest question mark now is like how, if, and when their contract is up with live, what's next? Are they able to come back? Are they not? Are they going to be blackballed? You know, I've heard some stories of what the tour has done to some guys that's left. And it's pretty unfortunate because you know, like Cam Cam Smith's a great example. I don't know who knows the specifics, but he was basically blackballed from playing golf in Jacksonville. I have seen that. Yeah. Who else is there? Like he literally couldn't join a club. Now, like he's a guy that if he stayed, they would ride into the sunset. But he made a decision, and you know, this the the media has made it polarizing, and it's almost like politics. They've made us try to pick a side, and I don't think as the viewer we should. Right. Yeah, but, and I, and it's gotten past uh, that narrative now where people don't care about the side as much as as the beginning and the media is unwilling to let that go and they just keep riding that narrative and it's almost getting plastic. annoying for everybody else. Correct. And and that's why, you know, last week at the PGA, obviously the story heard around the world is Mike Block and mm-hmm. there's comments said like it, it I think even Seth Waugh said it. He's like it's just nice to have a storyline in golf that's not about money. Yeah, it's, yep. we're reminded like why we do this and why we love the game, and we're not forced to pick between. Like, I'll be honest, I've never watched one hole of live golf. I mean, 
No, I usually you know, use the CW to watch One Tree Hill every <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if anything, well, if there's a natural, if there's going to be a playoff right. on the live tour, then they'll cut away to the Simpsons rerun. So you're good to go on that. Exactly. Yeah, then they'll flip it back on. But <laughs> it's it's wild, man. I think well, as a TV viewer, I'm excited to see what Tiger's got going with the stadium series. Yeah, that's going to draw in a lot of casual fans, I think, to golf who will then watch other tour events definitely yeah, that, yeah in, even like these these little matches that we've seen over the last couple of years kind yeah. of starting in COVID. i think it's fun like we we as the viewer just want to see great golf competition and yes. i don't think at the end of the day people really give a shit what they're playing for they just it's entertainment you know yeah. like the golf is entertaining Tiger was an entertainer. People looked at him as an entity of that. It's not, they don't love him. They just love what he did for the game and the excitement that they brought. So, but I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I think golf is in a very positive place and I think it's going to continue to, to grow, you know, over the next amount of years with just all of the right things that they're doing. And and I think some of these unfortunate things will, will get ironed out and hopefully be a thing of the past. So how hard was Oak Hill? Yeah. <laughs> boy, um, and we're not going to put easy. you on blast, but we're just wanting to see no, how I'm hard. Throw me on blast. No, I, I mean, I, I looked, I was following, I, and I was like, oh, geez, it looked like something happened. I mean, just it looked very difficult from a TV perspective, but I mean, I'd figured you'd probably played that course before being in that area, but I didn't know if you – had anticipated like almost a U.S. Open setup. I mean, I had never played there. Um, Rochester is still five and a half hours roughly okay. from where I am in New York. So, um, you know, that said, I had a lot of reasons to go up there. Jason Ballard, who's the director of golf, he and I worked together years ago. And when he got the job, I'd always had interest in going up there, but just with my busy schedule and you know how life happens, it yeah. hasn't happened yet uh, until last week. Um, that said, going into it, I expected it to be very similar to what it was, where it's just classic golf course, the redesign. I never saw the old one, but I mean, it quickly jumped into one of my favorite courses I've ever played. And, you know, I'm battling a pretty gnarly back injury, so I wasn't really healthy this week, which sucked, and I wasn't able to really give it my all. But, like, that golf course was so fair, but just so difficult. It was almost like, I think if, you know, relating it to closer to here, like if Wingfoot and Beth Page had, like, an illegitimate love child, that was just really cool. (laughs) Um, if you hit good shots, you were rewarded that, you know, the only complaint I would have about the course, not that you asked what my complaint was, but the, the grass on the lip of the bunkers was a little long. So like you, we saw some shots where it yeah. kind of stayed halfway up. We saw a couple of guys buried into the lip, you know, that, that was a little goofy. Um, the only other complaint I would have was some of the fairways were almost legitimately impossible to hit just because of how <laughs> narrow they were and how the fairway uh, sloped one way or the other. Yeah, it looked like um, a few of those, until, like the wind was blowing it where you had no chance of even getting it in the fairway with the direction of the yeah, wind and like, the slope of the hole. Correct. Like four, everything changed once it rained, obviously. Um, but 
like the fourth hole, the ninth hole, and 17. Um, and again, I'm a lefty that plays a slight cut. So my shot is working against those. But I had some pretty good shots, and I played with a bunch of guys that hit it really well. I mean, it's just at the way that they turn at where most drives are landing. And, you know, the difference in having the ball in the fairway versus the first cut versus two feet into the primary rough is night and day. I mean, the rough, you were chopping it out 150 yards max. Um, depend, you know, if you somehow found a really good lie, but it was one of those scenarios where you had to miss really big to find that. If you miss really small, you almost had the hardest shot. And around the greens, you know, the bunkers are so deep. Um, obviously the PGA is going to tuck some pins and kind of entice you to go at them. But if you hit fairways and you hit greens, it was very scorable. I mean, the greens were not crazy fast. They were quick, but they wouldn't get away from a major. No, like you had to play smart, but again, like you appreciate a golf course like that. I think the sentiment from the players all week that I heard and have seen now on social media is it felt to me like a U.S. open that the PGA of Mm -hmm. America ran which meant it was a really good test and they didn't fuck it up. Like they, yeah. they like it was pure, like yeah. good shots were rewarded and bad shots. You, you had a chance, but you had to play smart. Like the sixth hole there, which I was forced into birdie my first day, but that's one of the hardest holes I've ever played. Um, I would have had to hit driver on that it, hole. I'm just going to say like, Oh, everyone did. I had driver. <laughs> well, the first day I think I had driver eight iron, but it played into the win and practice round. I had driver five iron. Um, so, you know, my takeaway from the golf course, it was unbelievably good. The condition was phenomenal. The layout was incredible. The fans were unbelievable. Um, just, you know, the whole event, even with the bad weather, like people we're out there cheering, obviously, you know, what Mike did and what Brooks did was incredible. Um, yeah. And it just adds to the storyline, but the town yeah. really rallied behind the whole tournament. You couldn't go to a restaurant or bar in that entire city that wasn't full of people there for the tournament or excited about it and talking about it. Um, and, and, you know, that's what makes playing in those so special, especially mm-hmm. in, a, in an environment like that. But I really can't say enough good things about the golf course. I mean, it, it was pure. It was really, really, really hard. I think the average person would have a hard time breaking a lot. Um, but <laughs> well, you know, you look, you look back, and it was just, it was hard. But the the best player won. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like something that's been common from, and you just talked exactly about it. Like a lot of guys were talking about how it's like, oh, this this course is really challenging, but it was also very fair and. Like you're not, you're literally not even close to the first person who said that. I mean, during practice rounds, guys were being interviewed and they're talking about how it's like, yeah, this is not really sure how hard this course is, but it's also really hard. And then, (laughs) then like about the the whole thing about how guys are actually going and practicing specific shots in the rough with all kinds of different clubs because the people were worried about it and. For me, as as a golf fan and someone also who who gambles on it too, um, I was really really excited about the PGA Championship this year, knowing that the winner was going to be um, the winner wasn't going to get to ten under or better. Um, we we talked about that on last week's show. We thought it was going to be similar to last year's, where like around six under again, and it was pretty close to that because I was just I was tired of seeing scores at thirty under. Yeah, 
and just birdie fest after birdie fest. Like I like to see guys that are super talented be challenged and have to really work to get those birdies and even pars sometimes. Isn't that exactly what a course designer is going for to get the the guys will say it's challenging, but I loved it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the designer's trying to make it as difficult as possible, but also make it fair, which they, which it is fair, but it also shows how well that these old courses stay in the test of time. Yeah. You know, they're not able to go super deep on all these old courses. We see it at some of the U.S. Open sites, you know, like Marion. They just don't take it low because the course is that, you know, like, I don't know if it's that hard, but it's the old courses seem to play harder. Whereas, you know, Aaron Hills played whatever, a million under par or whatever they shot there at Smitty's course. It's <laughs> 16 in a major. I just don't think we should go back to venues like that, unfortunately, because they're good courses, but not for a major. Yeah. And like, I think from my perspective, like Oak Hill is classic old school golf. I mean, there's a lot of courses like it in Minnesota. Um, There's a lot of courses like it here in New York where there's huge trees. And, and one of the things that I read that, it didn't dawn on me necessarily until I read it and then thought about it was the trees there were never in play, you know, outside of you hitting it sideways on a hole, like your sight lines were clean. There wasn't like a stupid hole where you're like, Oh, this tree sticks out, you know? And I think I read somewhere they asked Andrew green, like how many trees did you take out? And he was answered with the right amount. And right. I couldn't agree more. Like it, it was, there was nothing stupid about the course and something, you know, often there's just gimmicks. There's, yeah, yeah. there's just things that are out there that you're like, what the hell is, why is that there? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, on the harder holes, you could run a golf ball up to the green. The greens were, you know, good in size. Um, like they had two par threes, five and 15 that played, right around 150 to 170 yards for a golf course that was like 7,400, mm-hmm. but they were awesome because if you hit a good shot, you had a really good chance at a birdie. But if you hit a bad shot, you could look at making a four or five in a heartbeat. And some of the longer holes, if you hit the fairway, you know, you, it would run down another 50, 60 yards and kind of leave you with a short iron. But if you missed, you were left with a long iron out of the rough. And then you were just at the mercy of a, of a good or bad lie and a couple bounces. And some of the whole locations are very inviting, but if you miss by a little bit, you could run off into these little areas where, I mean, they were so pure, like the area right of 15 that used to be a pond is now just a shaved down chipping area that I would say would rival the condition of a really good course is green. Like the <laughs> chipping area rolled like a 12. Um, I actually, I actually practiced and I wasn't alone in the short game area by the driving range chipping off of their practice green because it was closer to what the actual fairway approaches were like than any of the grass around it. Jesus, That's wild. Which is, yeah, which is crazy. Right. But like there was nothing gimmicky about it. It was just pure. And and yeah, it's an old school golf course that got a facelift. And I think you hear, you know, Gil Hans and some of these other guys that are kind of going and, redoing a lot of these classic courses that seems to be the trend if you're not doing a renovation you're kind of being left behind and you know it's a listen it's a bad time to be a tree 
I'll tell you what. Well, I, I mean, you have a tree. Right I mean, now. <laughs> we've seen the PGA at two, you know, new redos like last year, Southern Hills, Perry Maxwell, great course. And they did a fabulous job awesome at that place. course. Yeah. And again, like I left Southern Hills <laughs> thinking the same thing. Like it's just pure golf. Um, there, unfortunately, the weather became a little bit of a factor, yeah. but um, you know, the, the last two and even, you know, Quail Hollow, they played yeah. that right after they completely redid it. Um, like amazing place, just really, really hard. So I think the PGA has done an amazing job of finding these venues <laughs> that they put a really fair test out there. The best players tend to rise to the top. And if you don't play well, it was kind of on you. It wasn't bounces, you know, it could be bad lies, but I think that's what you look for in a major. I mean, we're going to see another one here in, in a few weeks. And I, (laughs) if history repeats itself, I don't think people will be making the same comments, but you know, it's, they're different for a reason. So uh, my hat's off to the PGA, not just as a PGA member, but I think it was just a very well run tournament and I've been lucky to see it a few times. So I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. Should we get into Colonial and the Charles Schwab this week? Pick some winners? Or should we review last week, maybe? How did we do last week, Adam? Killed it last week. (laughs) Obviously, we had Brooks for the win. We had at plus 2,000. Not bad. Rory, top 10. Hatton, top 20. Cantlay, top 10. Uh. Michael Block, top 20 at 30,000 to one. I never heard of Michael Block. Well, we picked Alex. We picked Michael Block. Chris did. He yeah, texted sorry, me several t- He texted me several times and said, I'm going to put my money on Alex. And I was like, eh, okay. He's like, I hope <laughs> yeah, he's feeling good. I, I hope he's in good, good health this week. I, I should have sent you a message before he <laughs> placed that bet. Well, shit! I yeah, feel I feel good team. after the after last week, man. Back this might that was my second uh, that was my second best week week of the year. So yeah, plus no, nine I, units, I'll take that. I had money on all the other ones sprinkled, but Alex, I I, I was on. I, I had a lot of money on you. Predominantly, really oh yeah, I was like, <laughs> we're either gonna we're either gonna pay the eight bucks and lose eight bucks, or we're gonna pay eight bucks and. The mortgage is done. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, hey, this trust thing me. Off. I, I I was on your side of it. Trust me, just didn't, uh, didn't pan out this time. Hey, before we get like truly into all this stuff, though, Alex, I had one question I want to ask you. So, like, when when Michael Block yeah. was asked and was talking about, um, you know, him playing with Justin Rose and how he was like like truly starstruck because of how much he loved watching, you know, Justin Rose play, you know, growing up and all that kind of stuff. And is there anybody that you've ever been paired with that where you had that feeling going into a round? It's a great question. Um, I don't think so. You know, I've, I've been fortunate to play with a lot of guys now, whether it's in tour events or pro members or just kind of casual rounds. Um, you know, but like I, I've also, you know, unfortunately never been in the situation that Mike was in on Saturday where you kind of made the cut, you're continuing to go and you get paired someone based on score. I think that's just such a different feeling mentally than just being paired with someone kind of off the bat. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, my first tour event with Sean O'Hare and Kevin Na—that was interesting, <laughs> but I wasn't starstruck 
playing with them. It was just kind of being in the field and being on the range and, and playing with these guys. But, you know, the, I, I talked to Mike, I was with him Sunday night after he won. It was just kind of me and his family. Um, you know, finally kind of celebrating what an unbelievable, amazing accomplishment he did. And we asked the question to him, like, you know, what was playing with Rosie or Rory better, more nerve wracking. And he kind of thought about it for a second. He's like, honestly, it was the same. Like they were both like, by the way, you could, probably couldn't have picked two nicer guys. Yeah, that's um, true. For, for someone in his scenario, like, respectful but he made the comment too like this was a third and a fourth round in a major so as cordial as they were it was still business as usual and i think that probably would help somebody in that scenario whether it was myself or michael where you know you're playing alongside of them but yeah but you've also been competing against the whole field like they're just another competitor you know you're not just going and enjoying the best was round with them where you my frozen no, you're not frozen. Best was when he hit the hole in one and he asked Rory where it went. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it's in the hole. What a moment. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was Cinderella story, hole in one in a major. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, like the casual people who aren't golf fans at all, I don't think understand. Like I've heard I've heard it talked about on Sports Talk Radio. This story has permeated all the other I mean, I thought, big the putt, deal. I thought the putt on 18 was better yeah. than the hole in one, because if he doesn't know that if he misses that putt, he's out for next year, but he makes the putt and he's in for next year Agreed. and he hits the uh, side of the hole and tilts in. I was like, Oh, Agreed. I thought that my wife's thought like, that what happened? Entire... I was like, the dude just made a putt to make it next year. I was like, Holy shit. That entire up and down was crazy. Like he looked like he had just, you know, that's he's had the, had that chip. <laughs> A million times, like and he hits a- it in the perfect place to bounce it in the rough to <laughs> pop it on the green for an eight footer, and then he just backdoors that eight foot putt oh, to man. to to par to get in the top fifteen and secure a spot for next year. Like, what is going through your head at that point? A lot, I'm sure. And he has just the stones to 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 make two <laughs> great shots in a row. Ice cold. I mean, I I think I mean I was there walking with him for the entire final round and. Like, uh, it's going to sound really cheesy what I'm about to say. And I've thought it through and I've told other people this. Being with him all week and like, listen, we had dinner Sunday, Monday night leading into it. We played our practice rounds together. Um, Like, nothing early in the week would have hinted this was going to happen. Obviously, he's an unbelievably good player. You know, you ride it out and you, he played really well. When it got to Sunday, you know, I think he makes the cut Friday night. Everyone's excited for him. Obviously, he's going to win low club professional at this point. It's kind of, you know, gravy, anything that you accomplish. And he goes out on Saturday paired with Rosie, you know, kind of makes a couple mistakes early and then makes those birdies. And you can just kind of see like his confidence. And he was feeding off the crowd, which was so cool. And they bought into it. And then he started having fun. So again, like when you're having fun playing golf, regardless what stage you're on, you can do really well. If you're out there and nervous and I think, you know, had he maybe played poorly or had some really bad breaks, like, yeah, it's easy to kind of get down on yourself and you start self imploding, but like he fed off it so well. And he went out on Sunday and we were talking about it with his wife 
he looked a little nervous. Like you could just tell he wasn't as free with the putting stroke, maybe on the front nine, but he made a couple nice saves and kind of built that confidence. And when he got to the back and you kind of started seeing the holes count down to the finish line and you're like, holy shit, like, you know, obviously this is going to be incredibly special regardless of where he finishes. But like you started to get this feeling that there was some kind of like higher power involved in the sense of would he aced 15, <laughs> a literal slam dunk. The amount of people that were already out there mm-hmm. watching him, you know, pretty well oiled up from a day of watching <laughs> golf. And, you know, there's a ton of hospitality. It's almost like a little amphitheater there on 15. The From that point forward, you're like, holy shit, like he's now like tied for 14th in the in the in this tournament. Yeah. And he claims he didn't PGA know it. Champion. I think he had a decent idea. Right. Like, and I knew it, you know, T15 is, is next year and, and T10 is the Canadian, which I guess he got it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, T4 is the masters and you're like, holy cow. Like he just got back to even par. I was thinking T4 16. the whole time. Oh, that would have been so Yeah, sick. T3 special temporary yeah. exemption on tour. Like there's a lot on stake, you know, not to mention a pretty nice payday regardless of what yeah. you finish. So, yep. you know, he makes the bogey on 16, kind of a squirrely lie in the rough short sides himself, but like, good bogey you know like we talk about there's good bogeys in life yep mm-hmm. 17 and, and and i think people will talk about the whole in one obviously the whole in one is ridiculously unbelievably cool um it's storybook stuff but if we talk about his total finish in the tournament having seen it firsthand he hits a drive in the right rough on 17 which is absolute jail he punches it out <laughs> And I shit you not, it carried the edge of the rough where he was trying to cover it to get back in the fairway by maybe a club length. <laughs> if that thing gets gobbled up, it sits oh. right there. You know, he, he's laying up with his third. So he hits it down middle of the fairway. So you're like, okay, that was a huge break. Like, he needs a couple of breaks coming in to, like, get this done. Because you know how hard 17 and 18 are. Yeah. He then hits wedge to, like, six feet, buries it. Huge momentum. And it's like, okay. He needs a par on 18. Blocks his, you know, pun intended, blocks his drive a little bit right over by those bunkers, which if he's in those bunkers, it's auto layup, no chance. I think he missed him. I couldn't quite tell. I was standing behind the green. Pulls that iron shot down to the left by the scoreboard, which is absolute jail. We could sit there and hit the shot that he hit for the next couple of hours with a bunch of range balls and probably knock it up and down more than a couple of times. It was insane. And he's down there on the wiry grass. The amount of people there, I mean, he's in the third to last group or whatever it was in a major. There's yeah. tens of thousands of people, all the pressure in the world, whether he knows what's on the stake, he knows what's, you know, whether specifically yeah. or not, but he knows what's at stake. You know, if he flubs that into the bunker and makes double, like, okay, it's a great story, tough finish. That thing could not have landed in a better spot. It landed dead. If that thing hits the green with any speed, he's got 40 feet coming back and it rolls to eight feet. And you're like, holy shit. Like this is, it just feels like it's meant to be. And then Written in the stars. Putt. Yeah. I love him to death. Like that putt had no business getting to the hole. Like, but it, it, as it's falling away from the hole, like it lips in right side. Yeah. Like I've only seen that happen one other time. And it's when Phil won the masters. Yeah. Like, and then you're like, holy shit, like he, he did it. Like, this is the greatest story in golf in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what the sport needed. Obviously, you know, for me, it was an amazing moment to be close with him and spend the rest of the night. And 
you know, kind of see firsthand, like, like the words that I put to it is it's very rare to witness someone's life change right in front of you. Yeah. And some, someone made that comment to me when I won the national championship and I couldn't help but think of it when I saw Mike do that, because I mean, obviously unbelievable. It's all different now. His whole yeah. life's different. I mean, he went, changing. Well, I, was, I was laughing at it earlier. He went from 3,900 Instagram followers. Like his goal for the week, he made a comment. He wanted to get to 4,000. I think he's about 200,000 right now. <laughs> he, you know, obviously got an exemption into the colonial this week. Um, Canadian down yesterday week. to do that. Got into the Canadian yeah week after next or whatever yeah. it is. And like, you know, he'll, he'll win national player of the year. Now again, he'll win his section championship, what gets him in the farmers. So, you know, as I look at Mike's schedule coming up, he's got like four or five, at least four or five starts on tour. And if he keeps this going, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous, but that's what, you know, back to the comments, like one week can change everything. And I think for him, like it's the most relatable story for all of us. Like he, He's just an average dude. He's a really great dude, but you know, has, loves his family. Doesn't aspire to travel as much anymore, but loves these opportunities. And um, you know, his interaction with the crowd and in the interviews, like he won everybody over. And it's just so cool to see someone do that, let alone a friend. But you know, what he did for the golf professionals and the status of our profession, it's huge and people becoming interested. It's it's a game changer. I mean, it, Netflix was out with him all day Sunday doing an episode of Drive, you know, whatever, uh, full swing. Yeah. So he's going to have an episode. And like, oh, that's what hell the yeah. Want. That's sweet. It right? just like, gives. Like, that's that's what everyone wants. We, we, you know, as cool as it is to see, you know, Brooks and nothing against him, he won the tournament. But, yeah. you know, that's a story we've heard three times. This <laughs> is something we've never seen. But, like, for um, every so club, no, it, it, it's so cool. I feel like for every club pro out there, PJ guys sign up for your section championship and you're like, dude, that could be me. If I just mm-hmm. you know, get through the section championship and I get in the top 20 and it's like, if everything clicks and it goes right for you, that could be you, you know? It's, so I think to me, it's going to help maybe some participation in section events for, for some of the sections that don't get big turnouts in the championship because we've seen a guy parlayed into something huge. So I, nothing but positive for everything it gave me hope it made me want to go to the range the next day so i think he can probably uh charge a few more bucks for lessons now too yeah (laughs) right yes yesterday's price is not today's price (laughs) (laughs) gotta pre-book those red lessons you know (laughs) (sighs) this week it's so so cool yeah this week we got the Charles Schwab at Colonial Golf Course, founded in 1936 by Marvin Leonard, chiefly out of a desire to introduce bent grass greens to the area. Evidently, he was just dead set on this. They referred to him as bullheaded. These old time golf guys, I got a lot of respect for them. Uh, this place is something else. The clubhouse looks like the White House. I mean, uh, I don't That's think good. I could go play a couple rounds there. No. <laughs> no <laughs> it's like that old line they got a pond you got a pond or a pool they got a got a pond right in the back pond probably better for you <laughs> yeah is this the level of difficulty that we had last week or are we no. gonna see uh 
23 under again. Scorcher. I mean, I'm calling it coming off a major. It's going to be a scorch fest. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the leaderboard from last year and stuff, I mean, it was Sam Burns and Scotty right at nine under. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens, I guess. But uh, different. it's a different field this year, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know what the weather is. It's probably going to be, yeah, 88 degrees in Texas. It's going to be brutal. Oh, yeah, those are Texas degrees. They're different. <laughs> the rough, the rough's not going to be as crazy uh, no. this week as it was last. I should week. hope not. It's a tighter. <laughs> it's growing a half inch an hour. But it's they a tighter are, course. Yeah, the greens are super small though. Compare comparatively speaking to the BGA Tour, um, six smallest greens on tour, which is, uh, I mean, and then fourth narrowest fairway. So I mean, you're again, you're going to have to be some, you have to be precise a little bit here off the tee, and then even when it comes to your approach shots. So. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good tournament. Yeah. Well, before we get into all these picks, let's get our message from producer Chris from our friends at Jazz Online Sportsbook, Racebook, and Casino. Jazz, Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for all-purpose online wagering. For over 20 years, Jazz has provided the best and quickest payouts in sports and entertainment wagers. Live sports betting, covering all the major sports leagues, and even into the new and exciting world of esports. Down the stretch you'll come, with Jazz's online horse wagering. Get paid when you play with Jazz's fun and exciting online casino games. Go online now and use the promo code TSS for our new, members deals. Jazz Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for online wagering. Esports. We're betting on video games now. That's wild. That can't be legit. <laughs> it can't be. Uh, hold on. So <laughs> during COVID, I may or may not have made <laughs> some bets uh, via esports. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> it's like hey Eric betting like- on Japanese. Uh, thumb wrestling or something like that. Whatever it is, bets on. I cleaned up on the World Hockey Championships this morning. Germany kicked the shit out of France. That's what we were looking for. Five nothing. So what? What kind of golfers are we looking for here in the Schwab? Texas guys, great yeah, drivers, baby. Texas guys. That's Spieth, isn't that's, it? Oh, is he, boy. is he from Texas? Oh, I don't even know that. <laughs> Weird. I hope he comes to the JDC this year so Smitty can, you know, get all that out of the system. Oh, That'd be uh, great. I mean, he's a good golfer. Get some photos with Smitty and Spieth. Unbelievable. No, JT Poston, dude. Yeah, he's our boy. Yep. Poston he's fan crew. He's our guy. We're we're loading up on JT posting at the John Deere. Oh, I'm going to get my notes out here before we get to top 20s. How did we do it last week? I think Adam went first last week. Yeah. Didn't he? Yep. We, we switched it up because we are Smitty going first. Our odds, are we were getting clipped off there pretty good. Yep. Yeah, we we better save the best for last. This is what we need to do then. 
Yep. <laughs> we better <laughs> stick with what works. Um, this Adam, who's in your uh, top 20 for the Charles Schwab? Fowler at 140. Wow. He's playing well. Yeah. Hostler at 280. 280. Stallings at 450. Uh, Jimmy Walker, 600, Texas guy. What are they doing putting Jimmy Walker at 6 to 1? It's crazy. We're going to make a pay for that. And then uh, I'm riding the Michael Block train at 1,000. Our man, Michael Block. It's a, you know, it's a course where he's a good driver of the ball and fits right in there. Uh, you know, don't have to be long. Got to be straight, which he is. Small greens, decent putter. Seems like a winning formula there. Right. That's what you want. And he's feeling good. And I it's mean, 10 to 1. I love a 10 to 1. What do you got over there, Smitty? All right. I have uh, I have Max Homa at plus 105. Still plus, still plus money there, and uh, no counts. I feel like you know, and I was looking at a lot of uh, a lot of DFS stuff this this week too, just like to see where that buzz was going and everything. And every everywhere I kind of went, it was you know, Max Homa is going to be one of the more expensive guys um, that's not going to be picked. There's going to you know he's up towards the top with that and everything, but uh, so there, a lot of DFS like sharps are saying take Homa this week because. He he's gonna be, he's not gonna be owned as much as as other teams. But I think that he's got to at some point he's too good of a golfer to not turn things around. So um, have him at plus one hundred five. Have Cam Davis at plus one sixty five. <coughs> I actually have JT Poston at plus two seventy five. Um, getting close to July. It's right in yeah, Poston month. It's kind of yep. where he's gonna start. To, it's where he starts hitting it. Right. Um, uh, Leo at plus 280. Who now? Who in the what now? <laughs> Grillo. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, I have him at plus 280. Uh, and then I, I have, I also have, I also have uh, Michael Block at, at plus 1000 just because, like Adam said, I mean, he's proven it. You know, granted, granted fatigue and emotions might be, a, might be a factor this week with him or whatever. I, if you don't like that, but you want to pick him at like a top forty. I mean, he's at plus two seventy five. I think the last I saw it. That's, that's not still bad. not bad. Top forty. That's um, not bad. <laughs> just throwing that out there with him. But I mean, you know, it was hard for me to pick a top twenty just because I, I like my outrights and top tens. But I just was kind of all over the place there a little bit with my top twenties. But and I've been struggling with top twenties as of late, so I kind of was going a different route there. Safer. Yeah. That's my risky pick. You take the safe one. Alex, you think Michael Block's got a top 20 in him this week? He does. I mean, there's there's no reason he can't. I think, you know, you you ride the, the hot players. And, you know, again, this is storybook stuff. So I think if he makes another cut, you know, and as you guys said in the last show, like, you know, you make a cut, you make up a couple shots. Yeah, top twenties right there. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you saying. I mean, it's it's not a super long course, but I've played. It's tough. I mean, you've got a 
you got to hit it straight. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a bomber's paradise, but you know, someone that can find the fairway and find the green and, and not make a huge mistake. So yeah, I think, you know, it sounds like our guy is that is a lot of, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd be a buyer. We don't uh, deal with stats in this show. It's all hot players. I don't know. I kind of yep. like, like stats too. <laughs> yeah, stats are fun. <laughs> A lot of vibes, a couple stats in there. We figure it out. <laughs> Who's in your top 10, Seth? Uh, Justin Rose at 260. Uh, Kitayama at 500. I got off of him, and the guy almost wins again, so I'm back on yep. him again. JT Poston played a good final round on Sunday, so it is, we're getting close to Poston month. Yep, where he really starts to kick it into gear. So, um, what are then, the odds I'm posting for top 10? Oh, sorry, yeah, 600. Nice. Oh, yes. And then I went with my two picks that got scorched on the week before that I didn't pick Ekrot at 1000 and Tway at 2200. Tway was up there, wasn't it? The one week I don't pick Ekrod and Tway to be at a top 10 or a top 20, and they both finish inside the top 20. It was, <laughs> Ekrod was, what, T-second? Unbelievable. He just about won. Yeah, he that was the lead Friday. Yeah, and he gets good odds for like a top 10 or t- or even for a win. So, Because unless you are, you know, I've lived in Stillwater, nobody knows who this kid is. Yeah, that's the benefit we have. Of the resident PGA pro. Yeah. The inf- like this guy lives down the street from here type stuff. That's valuable. What do you think, Smitty? Who's finishing in the top 10? I got a guy. Um, you guys might know who he is. Uh, Jordan Spieth. I heard uh, him. Plus 150. It's not great, but I mean, when you're on plus you're, side, if I'm when top you're, when 10, you're a, that's not good. When you're a sure thing. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, there's a lot of trees in this course, Smitty. Did you see the clip I sent of him hitting that iron shot? (laughs) Was like I just said one fucking iron shot today. I he's fine. Okay, he's mentally tough. He's a scrambler. (laughs) PGA, nice fucking hole. Um, I have then I have Victor Hovland at uh, plus one fifty. The guy's. (laughs) <laughs> gonna get it done at some point and he does keep piling in top 10 so let's fucking roll with him right playing steady yeah and then i have max home at plus 230 um and i have colin morikawa at uh plus 180 Ugh. um <laughs> and done with uh, that guy. so i was uh him and xander no, i'm done with him I'll save. Yeah. I'll save what I was going to say about more. <laughs> um, and then I have Fowler at top ten at plus two eighty, and okay. And so I, I this is I'm going official with Morikawa top ten. You don't like Morikawa? Like Adam just went ugh. <laughs> you can go Tony Finau at plus one sixty five. It's not bad, but I'm a, I'm not I'm not on Finau. I guess that's just my consolation. If you hate Morikawa. <laughs> I mean, we don't get scorched too many times by that guy. Yeah, we don't hate him. It's just a <clears throat> a burn thing. <laughs> it's a burn. It's a deep burn. Yep. Winners, Adam. Uh, who's gonna win this thing? 
Scheffler at 400. Yeah, probably. Uh, Hovland at 1400. <laughs> Spieth at 1400. Oh, there we go. Got a little solidarity. Yeah. Burns at 2800. That's a good price for Burns. Yeah, and Siwoo Kim at 4000. Man, I've been betting on Siwoo every week. Was it 4000? Yeah. So I'm definitely going to do it again this week. Fucking Siwoo, man. He's another guy. Every time I bet on him, he misses the goddamn cut. So well, He's not on Air- Sm- Smitty's top five this week, so he should be safe. <clears throat> I'll bet on him. And then I'll live bet him like on Saturday. Like, all right, here's where he turns it on. But no. no. Siwoo and Minwoo burn me yep. a lot. And I just keep going back. Smitty's winners. Spieth plus 1,400. I have Jordan Spieth plus 1400. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he showed that he can play. He showed that he's playing fine with that injury and everything. And it's, you know, it was a grinded out week last week and he was still, still solid there and, you know, played, played a, a nice weekend of golf and he's, he's going back home now where he's not going to feel, he's not going to feel pain. You he's know? probably sleeping in his own bed this week right. too, I would guess. Right. So I think that that's going to be a big factor for him. And he has what he went, he won in 16, I believe. Right. Yeah. When he won, he's Perfect. fucking due to win here again. Yep. Right? Um, then I have, I have Victor Hovland at plus 1400 as well. Like dude's going to win soon. He's got to, he can't continue it to choke every single tournament away. He's not choking. <laughs> he's just getting outplayed. Okay. Sure. You call it what you want to call it, but like, <clears throat> He he has made some shots where it's just like, dude, the fuck. Um, but yeah, you're all right too, though. He's getting he's getting beat by like ridiculously good players. Yeah, but he's also a guy that three months ago the TV guys were saying he had the worst short game of any elite player out there. He's clearly got that cleaned up. And then he put that one hundred yard shot in the water and fucked himself. He's due. I, I agree. I agree. He's too good of a player. Hey, I think if he wins once, he's going to clip off a bunch. Yeah, and that's the scary part too, because what he's only ah. like, what is he like twenty five? I mean, he's he won Tiger's not. tournament in the Bahamas against what fifteen of the the top players. So it's in pretty there. easy. Yeah, he's twenty five oh. years old. So I mean, he's young yet. Uh, and then I go, I go, uh, Colin Morikawa at uh, plus sixteen hundred. Um. Another guy that's due, Max Homa, plus two, uh, plus two thousand, and then I have Ricky at plus twenty eight hundred. Ooh, I he's like gotta that. win. He's another guy, right? At some point, you gotta he's think. Right there. This is the kind. <coughs> this is the kind of tournament you know that I think he could potentially win. Yeah, it's um, like a midweek field, right? I mean, it's um, not a star-studded field, but it's not. No, I think everybody it's, there. So. It's a solid field, but it's something that I think that he can definitely contend in. Um, you know what I was going to say about about Morikawa? You, this is crazy. So like he's gone winless on the PGA Tour since the Open Championship in twenty one. Mm. That's crazy, right? Well, didn't is did him and Cantley win the team event? Yeah, but just talking about him, like that's a long time. Well, he's been fighting swing issues, and every time they um, show him on the driving range, he's like testing equipment. It's like, dude, come on, it's time to pump the brakes on that. His his stats, though, like, I mean, he's he's gained what an average of 
6.7 strokes on approach against the field at Colonial and was only held back by his putter last year. You well, know, which is a big thing. Are we I still think talking Ricky? No, nah, we're a lot talking of guys. Oh, I think okay. it's dumb when these guys switch putters. Like they go from a blade putter to like a mallet to then like some hybrid backed putter. And it's like Ricky's putting with the Odyssey putter from nine seasons ago this week. And it's like, dude, how can you get any feel putting when you're switching putters? It makes no sense to me at yeah. all. Like every time I putted bad used to, I'd go out and play and I'd putt bad. I'd gr- grab a different putter and it's like, no, just stick with the one. Yeah. yeah. So I'm adding around. variables. JT's the same way. JT, Rory. I mean, you just got to fight through it. You know, another thing that I'll say about, about Jordan Spieth this week is like, you want to look at the last, uh, the past 24 rounds at Colonial, right? Um, strokes gained approach. Jordan's Jordan's number four there. You uh, look at um, par fours that are between 400 and 450 yards. Um Jordan Spieth is the top guy, right? When it comes to um, par four scoring, and then well, course, I mean, course history over the past twenty four rounds, Jordan Spieth, and it's I by like, a large margin. I mean, I like him in on these shorter courses because puts wedge in his hand. He's probably one of the best wedge players out there. I mean, definitely from the sand. Yeah, the he proved to be like last week that he's healthy. Hole out yeah. of the sand. He he's proved to me this last week that he's healthy enough to win here this week and being at home, like you said, probably sleeping in his own bed, hanging out with some of his boys, feeling relaxed, you know, getting to some of those home remedies. He might have JT staying. JT's not playing. So I guess he won't have him hanging out at the house. So we'll find out. Maybe it is time. I mean, let's stay hot. (laughs) Yes. For like a month. Yeah. This is where we hit our streak last year. Yeah, I know. Yep. It was not a bad summer. I mean, yeah. That carried me through football season. Like I didn't have to make a deposit during football season. Yeah, That's we how last up. year's golf went. Cause then and we I get, went like two or three winners in a row and they were like big ones, like eight mm-hmm. to one, 30 to one, 90 to one. JT post was 43. Yeah. I was looking Fitzpatrick was 30 to one at the open Rory 10 to one. It's not a bad little podcast to put in your rotation. No, you know, it'll pay for all your other podcasts. Um, what else we got? That's about it. I think, I think we've had quite the show tonight, man. We have an Alex is awesome having that conversation. Yeah, it was very good. Great insight. Thanks Alex for joining us. Thank you, uh, Adam and Smitty for all of your hard work. Thank you people for listening. If you haven't already subscribe to the fantasy sports corp channel, you're already here. So it's easy to do. Um, Alex, where can the people find you on the World Wide Web? Does he phase Alex out? Fall asleep. Alex fell asleep. He might be he's on East Coast time. Yep. All right. Best of luck with all of your bets this weekend. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday for more plus money opportunities. Adam, say something cool that golfers say. Uh, you want to make fourteen dollars the hard way. Thanks for listening to Plus Money Golf. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on Facebook and Instagram at Plus Money Golf and on Twitter at PSR Golf. Until next time.